1: Hi guys, Colin Kelly here, executive producer of RotoViz Radio and co-host of the RotoViz Overtime podcast with Sean Siegel. We are closing in on 200 episodes and it's competition time, but more on that in just a moment want well, to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, as always, you can save yourself 10% off a Road NFL pass. All you need to do is enter that code RVRADIO2021 at checkout on the website or go to roadbiz.com forward slash podcast for more information. You can get all the access to all of the great tools on the site, all of the content. Get yourself ready to win your fantasy championships this upcoming season. I mentioned competition time. Well, now here's the news. 200 episodes coming up here for myself and Sean. We're giving away some RotoViz subscriptions. It's super simple to enter. Just drop a five star review for RotoViz Overtime on your favorite podcast app for a chance to win. The top prize is a three month subscription and an appearance on a future RotoViz Overtime podcast get to get a talk with myself and Sean. Already have a RotoViz subscription? Thank you for that. But don't worry, if you win, we'll add it on to your current subscription. So what are you waiting for? Drop that review today for the Rotoviz Overtime podcast, and of course, when you're there, drop a written for today's show as well that you're listening along to. Thanks as always for being a loyal podcast listener on Rotoviz Radio. Enjoy the show.
2: We're reacting to the 2021 NFL Draft on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Travis May, our Devy coordinator and host of the College Cant- College to Canton podcast, the uh, Justin Production Index and many, many things uh here at Rotoviz. He's filling in for Curtis, broke down a lot of interesting guys for us on Tuesday. Moving into Wednesday, we're gonna continue with some round two guys, uh, maybe get into some round. Three guys. Um, And we're going to start with a player that I find very interesting. But before we do that, Travis, I have to ask you as somebody that does Devi, Dynasty, NFL, uh, you have so much stuff that you need to cover. How do you do it? Like, how do you keep on top of all of the, uh, all of this stuff? Because you're one of those people who just pulls it all off of their head. Um, you know, and I'm sure you, 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 leverage the road of his tools and all, but still like, how are you keeping up on top of everything?
3: Uh, you know, to be honest, it's just like a building layered process that, that has taken years upon years to kind of, uh, build up a library of, uh, prospects ahead of time. And I, I nerd out with, uh, super deep devi leagues that have like a hundred rounds and 25 new rounds of uh players at any stage of of, of ball <laughs> like, <laughs> like i'm looking at uh like i literally have a league where we can if you wanted to draft your unborn son you could mm-hmm. like it like so you know we're, <laughs> we're looking at like you know freshman sophomore juniors in high school and uh the best players in the country and trying to figure out uh you know, and project NFL draft capital off of, <laughs> off of that. It's insane. And, yeah. and so like, you know, you nerd out that deep and then, you know, once, the, once they're a junior in, in college, like, Oh yeah, I've, I've been following this guy for six years. And you know, it's like, you know, like this year, for example, like Najee Harris, like he committed to Alabama in April of 2015. And it's like that. So I've been talking about Najee Harris for freaking six years now. It's like, man, it's really cool. It's like, he finally made it. And that's awesome. And so, um, but you don't just like get there because there's 130 FBS teams, so it's a lot. But I mean, o- over time you get to know all the big coordinators, all the big coaches, all the top players, and really after they blow up as a true freshman, there's only a, you know a few dozen that you have to really learn yeah. every year, and you probably already knew 30 of them, and you know 25 of those 30 just off of recruiting. Uh, so it just kind of builds, uh, but it's it's taken several years to get to a place where I'm like, okay, I know who all the coordinators are in college and, you know, who, who the wide receiver three is for Western Michigan, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. It is but insane.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. So if you haven't gathered based off of our episode on Tuesday, Travis is one of the single most informed people that you're going to find out there so i don't want to waste any more time before we start talking about Terrace marshall jr wide receiver out of lsu goes at pick 57 he was the guy that i thought it was possible at points we could see him going in round one it seems like there were some medical concerns that pushed him back quick reminder on the profile ended his career at 20.7 weighs 205 pounds about 6'2 fast. Ran the 40 in, it was around like a 4'4. I think some places reporting a 4'3'8. Has solid athleticism, comps to guys like Chris Godwin, Miles Boykin, Randall Cobb, DJ Chark. And you got to remember when you go back. And you look at a lot of the production that he would have had in college, it might not pop from as much of an a- analytics standpoint. But, of course, he was playing with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson at points in his career, which will tend to do that. <laughs> uh, goes to the Panthers, man. Uh, let's just talk, first of all, about what he might be able to do in the context of that offense that DJ Moore and specifically Robbie Anderson might not be able to do. And then, you know, what your thoughts on that landing spot were. <sighs>
0: Yeah, so I think a lot
3: of people when they see oh man, Robbie Anderson and and DJ Moore and you know, they, they, you know, they're forgetting, you know, Samuel's gone now and so there were, there were a lot of targets around uh that are now departed. Yep. Uh, and based on how that offense functions, they like uh going through three guys and so I think he has a, an underrated opportunity going into a situation where he is he is playing under his college offensive coordinator and Joe Brady who built the best offense in college football history essentially uh, and really orchestrated his, his first breakout uh, and, and was incredible in doing so in 2019. And people, they look at the raw numbers of Terrace Marshall and like, man, he, he played in 12 games and he'll, You know, only had 671 receiving yards, and you know when you look at his adjusted like percentage, like receiving yard market share, and it's not that great that year, even so. And but it was with Jamar Chase, it was with Justin Jefferson, and and at the same time, in those twelve games, he had 13 touchdowns, and people don't understand also that he actually was playing hollowed most of the back half of the season. Mm -hmm. So I I remember being at the Vanderbilt LSU game uh, and it was basically a home game for LSU, like 90% fans for LSU. I get super cheap Vandy season tickets because my my wife works there. And um, it was just hilarious watching – like these accountants in and future, like, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, doctors and other people that, you know, they're, they're basically playing future NFL, like nothing but future NFL players. And then these guys that barely have any right to even be being playing football uh, it, Vandy, essentially, it's just a bad program. Uh, it's just, it was terrible. I think Jamar Chase literally lit him up for like four touchdowns that day. And, um, but it was that game where Terrace Marshall actually injured himself uh, his his ankle for the first time in a significant way, and and it was thought that Marshall was going to be out for a really long time. But because he was determined, he came back early and fought through uh, really bad ankle problems. And even so, almost caught what thirty percent of his receptions were were touchdowns that year, leading the nation in touchdown percentage. And so he was just a freak animal, uh, just found a way to score. Uh, no matter what. And it was doing it again this past fall. Again, if you, if you want to just be impressed by anybody, any wide receiver, go watch Terrace Marshall. Even if if you're not a film guy, go watch Terrace Marshall's Missouri game last year, like 10 catches for 200 plus yards, just just an annihilation. Uh, So he, he was taking over when he was the guy last fall. So I'm excited to see him plug in right away. I think he can, he can take some market share early. And then Robbie Anderson, I think he's on the last year of his contract as well. So after this year, it could be the DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall show.
2: You know, honestly, that's where I am to a large extent. Because, yeah, there's things that Robbie Anderson can do that are useful. And I think DJ Moore is fantastic. But I think Terrace Marshall is really good. And I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that we see Marshall come in and kind of force out Anderson to some extent of that role that he had last year. You know, Anderson struggled to score touchdowns. Marshall has a freak score of 88. Looks like he should be able to produce touchdowns. You mentioned what he was able to do while he was at LSU. And you also made the point that Curtis Samuel vacated 97 targets. Uh, for a player like Marshall, that might be all he needs to really get his footprint you know, marked in Carolina in year one. And I think as we look forward, you could then have this duo where we have DJ Moore and Harris Marshall just making it really hard for defenses to account for both of them. We need to see what Sam Darnold looks like outside of New York, but nonetheless, if Marshall slips because of this landing spot, I am going to be drafting him.
3: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, And I think he will because uh, the initial reception was, uh, you know, for most people is like, oh, crap. Well, that's that's a terrible landing spot. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like his offensive coordinator basically reached for him like they they want to build around Marshall in that offense. So it's 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 a
2: great spot long term. Yeah. You know, the the funny thing about it, too, is I feel like (laughs) some people, they see Rashad Bateman going to Baltimore. And they would have, you know, if like if Marshall had gone there, of course, that would have been, you know, maybe in the first round, but people would have been getting excited. But to me, Carolina is a much better landing spot. Oh, yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, the the target share and just the raw raw volume of that overall
2: offense is so much better than than the the Ravens situation. So, yeah, I, I like it. Nice. All right. Let's talk about our tight end. We have not talked about a tight end since we would have talked about Kyle Pitts last week. So we have Pat. Friermuth, can you give us the official pronunciation? So it's weird. Like it, I believe
3: it's Friermuth. I've I've heard everybody just start saying for your, for your muth for a while, uh, but I, the announcers in college and every game I've ever ever watched until draft season said Friermuth. So maybe I don't even know at this point. And like you got to players. Uh, changing their name like uh, <laughs> Jason Owe changing it to Oda- o- Odafe Owe yeah. like who knows at this point but uh, uh, he was a guy that I was a lot of people it's not just me uh, they were high on really early on with his red shirt freshman season accounting for you know like 30 percent of the offense yep. essentially right out of the gates and uh, looking like he was the real deal and uh, people calling him baby Gronk even I don't know, three years ago, uh, just because he was 87 and, um, you know, just just looked like he did a lot of the same thing. And he was really complete. He, he blocks well. He's, he's a decent athlete, although he didn't really prove it throughout draft season. Um, and he was a, a monster touchdown scorer. I think he had eight scores in his freshman year. So uh, redshirt, redshirt freshman year anyway. So I, I like him. I think he's got the most balanced skill set of any tight end in this class. And now he's got the, the draft capital and he goes to a situation where Yes, they, they've underutilized tight ends, but I think uh, there's still an, an opportunity for him to be the touchdown scorer early on.
2: Yeah, you know, an interesting thing career um, receiving touchdown market share of 0.3. That yeah. is really Insane. impressive. Insane. I mean, yeah. when you yeah, if you look at his comp list out of the box score scout, I mean, there's very few players even getting anywhere near that, like Aaron Hernandez, for example, point one eight. Granted, he played at Florida might have been a little bit different, but Martellus Bennett at, te- at Texas A&M point two four. Uh, you know, even John o. Smith at a school like Florida International was.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. only at
2: .31. So I think that speaks to just how yeah. impressive he was. Um the Steelers, it's kind of they're kind of an odd team right now in the fact that you have Ben getting older. They have a group of really good um receivers. Of course, we also saw Eric Ebron and what he was able to do um on 91 targets last year in Pitt. We know it's a slow developing position. Uh so it might take him some time, but I think from a dynasty perspective are we slating him in at number two in the class behind Kyle Pitts? Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash RotoViz now. without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment.
3: I think you have to. I, I certainly am. Yep. Uh, I really wanted to get excited about Brevin Jordan, but uh, for reasons uh, reasons unbeknownst to me, he he kept on falling. Yep. Uh, had some similar uh, breakout numbers early on, but if if you look at the the contract situation for Eric Ebron, he's clearly uh, clearly not the long term solution there. So I think they're just looking to uh, get their their you know their next Heath Miller. Uh, that's actually a better receiver uh, lined up here, and so that's gonna be that's gonna be a big pat.
2: Yeah, Very nice. All right. Dwayne Eskridge went at pick 56 to the Seattle Seahawks. He's a guy that our listeners might not have heard that much about. Does have been 90th percentile, 40 yard dash, ran a 4.38. He's older though, but we'll probably talk about that. Almost 24, uh, 68 inches, 190 pounds at Western Michigan. Um The season in which he played 12 games, which was the most of his career in 2017, had three touchdowns, 506 receiving yards. Uh, Fast forward to 2020, six games, um, eight receiving touchdowns, 33 wrecks, 768 yards. Granted, he was very old at this point, but it was a pretty solid season, receiving dominator of 0. 0.45. Can you kind of talk to us about kind of that career arc, why his profile is a little bit different and what the Seahawks might have seen in him?
3: Yeah, so it's a little weird because, you know, he was like this wide receiver for a bit. And then he went and played defensive back out of, out of necessity for Western Michigan and, and then went back to wide receiver and really it took him he kind of almost, if you squint, he kind of almost broke out, like, in his third year, yep. uh, but uh, in his fifth year, he absolutely exploded. Western Michigan actually had a, a fun trio of wide receivers, and and uh, Dwayne Eskridge, Jalen Hall, who was basically just their deep threat specialist, and Sky Moore, who was, like, this little miniature guy who could just find the open space, and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's going to be fun again, because they're bringing back uh, quarterback Caleb Ellaby, who, by the way, just had perhaps the most efficient quarterback season of all time in college football. Uh, if you adjust for play action percentage, especially, or a few other metrics, he basically was the most efficient passer uh, passer in the country last fall. Uh, and it was because partially because Dwayne Eskridge and, and that offense and that scheme of what they asked him to do, Eskridge uh, just exploded. Had like, I think he almost, almost a yard and a half, more yak per target than any other player in all of college football. I'll say it again, like a yard and a half more in terms of yards after catch per target than any, you know, anyone in the country. That's more than Devonte Smith. That's more than like, you know, Kadarius Tony or whatever, whoever I oh got to yep. get excited about. That's more than even speedsters like Anthony Schwartz and, other names that you would know at the position. Um, and so just dominating, obviously it's a lower level competition. It's it's the Mac uh, don't get too excited. It was a six game sample. So he feels like a small sample tra- trap because he had like a 98th percentile adjusted production index out of nowhere in just one season in six games. But still that offense was the most efficient group of five conference offense in college football. And it looks like it was because of him. So he's got some speed. He's got a former track background. He he does a lot of, a lot of things well, but uh, he's going to have to you know, clean, clean up some things and contribute more, Uh, than just like a, you know, RPO slant and RPO kind of like delayed uh, post route, which basically that that accounted for like 40% of his production last fall. He's going to have to round some things out. uh, But uh, I think the the Seahawks, uh, they've already proven they can take a guy with a limited skill set like DK Metcalf. He basically only ran ran two routes in college and just basically use them to their strengths. And if they do that with Eskridge, they're going to find a decent player.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool that he ends up with Russell Wilson because Wilson is a quarterback that we have seen somehow managed to keep a lot of the receivers he he's played with very efficient, which is something that you're going to need Eskridge to do because we did have 129 targets go to DK Metcalf last year, 132 go to Tyler Lockett. Uh, David Moore was third on the team in targets at 47. So they're a team where there's a large concentration in their top two guys. Eskridge is going to have to be efficient, but if there's a place where he could do it, it seems like this is one of the best fits for him. Let's talk about a player that I did not see coming at pick 77. I was not expecting this. Josh Palmer goes to the Chargers This is a player that in his career scored seven receiving touchdowns in 42 games, only had 1,514 total yards, career receiving dominator of .16. His closest comp is Mohamed Joe Quinn, Iglesias, Patrick Turner, Gary Jennings, Joss Huff, Kevin Norwood, Ricardo Lewis, Derek Williams, Jehu Cheson, Ty Montgomery. I'm going to venture that our listeners do not remember many of those players. Do you have a theory as to why the Chargers, a team which had a guy in Jalen Guyton coming on, it felt like last year, already has Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, uh, and just added Jared Cook felt compelled to go and get Josh Palmer?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, it's hard to make a really good case for Palmer. But if you squint and you understand the mess that he he was dealing with at the University of Tennessee, he got there. Bush Jones made the program a dumpster fire. Then they bring in this guy Jeremy Pruitt, a head coach who's basically just a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and he tried to out Alabama Alabama. And they went through a number of quarterbacks, and for some reason, kept on going back to Jared Garantano. And uh, this past year, even even in this past year, where they should have had things figured out, they still messed around with three different quarterbacks, and and uh, he was dealing with uh, just just overall bad offensive play all around him. Um, so if you if you squint, his adjusted production profile isn't isn't terrible, uh, but he basically doesn't have a breakout, true breakout ever. He was stuck behind guys like Jawan Jennings and Marquez Callaway, uh, both of which you know had brief, like cups of coffee here and there in the in the NFL uh, th- this past year. But uh, you know the entire program's fallen apart. At Tennessee I mean both of their starting running backs uh, left the program uh they they're running back their, their quarterback uh that came in this year is already in trouble like they, it's just if you understand like what a dumpster fire that program has become mm-hmm. you kind of understand it's hard to do anything in that program and he but if he does anything well it is be a deep threat and and when deep and and have a uh, good read on the ball and that's that's about all I can say for Josh Walmer. I don't know that's ever going to lead to significant fantasy football value. uh, And I'm not betting on it, but I love that he got the the capital. And that's really the only argument for taking Palmer at all in a four-round fantasy draft for rookies.
2: Yeah, because and this was one of the things that I think we talked about when we had the Rookie Summit over the weekend that Sean was really talking about was just how often do you see a guy that did nothing in college come in and do something, Um, which is definitely a fair point. Um, there could be a little bit of a glimmer of hope, but you know this is not a player that I think it makes sense to sink a lot of um, capital in your rookie draft into. Uh, also, I'm just looking at this, and I have to point this out. Man, Justin Herbert liked him some Keenan Allen, 147 targets last year (laughs) pretty impressive uh so what we're saying is josh palmer's not going to come in and eat away at that target share it sounds like (laughs) not not too significantly no No, i I would not move the needle at all uh, for your keenan Allen shares uh, just because palmer came in yes uh all right the final question for you so you currently live in tennessee um, keeping in mind how focused you are on Debbie, do you ever try, and I actually don't know what the high school football scene is like in Tennessee. Have you had any players that like, you've actually tried to go see in person that you followed through their career or anything like that?
3: Uh, yeah. So like, I actually, I am the, uh, fellowship of Christian athletes, character, character coach for like, almost like a team chaplain for the Blackman baseball team Oh, cool! Uh, this year. And that's actually where master Teague went. Uh, who's been a running back for Ohio State. And so, like, he might still pan out, and so that would be interesting. It's also the high school where David Price, uh, the Major League Baseball pitcher, went. Yep. But there's a bunch of bunch of guys uh, that I'm currently excited about in, in the area. Uh, the rival high school um, has this really good running back named Jordan James that's there right now and a couple other top players. So the thing about Middle Tennessee, Nashville area, uh, and really uh, southeast of town and just south of town, they all have some really good – Good talent like there's these brothers the wade brothers who are going to be at uk next year Uh, there's this kid named barian brown. who's going to probably go to alabama He's already committed to alabama next year So basically the next the, the next uh, alabama wide receiver to get excited about essentially uh, So yeah, it's it's always fun because I do try to catch uh, a couple couple games here and there uh, clemson's new tight end Uh, he's a freshman this year. I his name is escaping me at the moment, but he's uh, uh Brining, it's Jake, it's Stool. Yeah, Jake Briningstool. He's going to be probably a significant factor uh, as a receiving tight end for Clemson. There's always guys that I try to try to get out and see, uh, but uh, I haven't been here long enough to to be in the high school scene, actually, to see, you know, follow the guy all the way through. Yep. But uh, there will be some names here soon, that's for sure.
2: Awesome. All right, well, hey, Travis, really appreciate you coming on. This was awesome to break down these guys with you. As a reminder to everybody out there, at ff underscore travis m do yourself a favor start listening to the college to canton podcast now if you aren't so that you will know all about these guys when they eventually get into the nfl any closing thoughts for us anything else you want to you want to share quickly before we close this out travis
3: nope uh just uh draft good players and uh you'll have a, a great great uh rookie season that's 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 the strat right absolutely
2: all right thanks travis <laughs> thanks for listening to the rotoviz fantasy football show don't forget to rate review and subscribe follow us on twitter at dave CabinF and at c patrick nfl email us at rotoviz show at gmail.com visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts and until next time thanks for stopping by